UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. And yeah, so, we're good. I have mine dark too. I think it sets the ambiance because I'll probably air this <laughs> okay. at night. So like, you know, like because it's uh, more Another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me back today. This is his second time on my show. Uh, I have with me the prolific author, Jason Offit. He's a paranormal slash horror uh, writer. Um, Jason grew up on the farm near Oric, Missouri. Um, he's been a farmhand, a journalist, photographer, bartender, teacher. He's even been the mayor of a small town. He's won awards for his books. He's into Dungeons and Dragons. He's into Star Trek. All the cool stuff that we loved growing up as kids. And and more so, he's into Art Bell, too. He was a big Art Bell fan, which I want to ask him about. I'm not sure if we talked about that last time. But with all that said, I want to give him a big warm welcome back to the show. Jason, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Hey, I, I appreciate the invitation. I had such a great time last last time I was on. Yeah, when you when you ask, I couldn't say no. Um, so what, what, so you wanted, I will prefer someone to ask you, were you, did we talk about Art Bell last time? I can't remember. Were you a big Art Bell fan? Huge, huge Art Bell fan. I, I remember, yeah, back in the early nineties when, when coast to coast first went, uh, well, coast to coast, when it first went nat natural or natural national. Um, yeah, I started listening and I just, I just got hooked. He was such a great interviewer. Yeah, I've been going back listening to a lot of the old Ghost to Ghost shows. I love those; those are my favorites. The ones where he would people would call in and talk about yeah. their ghost stories. Yeah, it'd be over uh, like Halloween, the, the day before Halloween, and on Halloween, and it'd just be ghost stories. And yeah, those are terrific. Yeah. Um. So what I wanted to get into was, uh, your your you won an award for your most recent public. I think it's your most recent publication. It is. Uh, Girl in the Corn. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, um, yeah, I've uh, I've wanted to write novels ever since uh, I was ten and read uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and I'm like, hey, I want to do this. I want to I want to write novels, and and um, uh, after years of being a journalist, and uh, after eleven uh, nonfiction books, uh, five of them paranormal uh, in in nature, uh, I'm like, what am I waiting for? So I, I've written a few novels, and the la uh, five actually. Uh, the last one I wrote was The Girl in the Corn. It's a horror novel because I and I grew up watching uh, uh, an, an independent TV station that we had on Saturdays growing up. They would just horror movies, horror and science fiction all day long. 
and uh, I got I got really hooked, and then uh, started reading Stephen King at a young age, and and H.P. Lovecraft, and all, all those, and and I just always have loved horror, and I've wanted to write it, so I finally uh, finally wrote a horror book, and uh, I grew up as you as you mentioned earlier on a farm, and that's where it's based uh, on a farm in rural Missouri, and and at the time I started the book, my my daughter who's eight now. She was seven. Well, actually, I think she was six when I started reading. We're writing this. Um, was we have the Disney Disney Plus, and and she was really into Tinkerbell. And I was watching with her, and I'm like, man, I've researched fairies from all over the world, and none of them are like Tinkerbell. You know, all the fairy lore from all over the world. These things are nasty creatures. So I I, I took the farm setting. And that, that I grew up in, and I took fairies and mixed them together. And and bad fairies and good people uh, don't mix that well. And, and uh, yeah, I, I won uh, the Independent Book Publishers Association, uh, awarded me with their uh, uh, Best uh, Horror Novel of 2022 uh, award just recently. That's fascinating. Congratulations. Now, Thank from you. what I learned, fairies can be like very like tricksterish, right? Yes, extremely. And um, what man, there, it's fairies absolutely amaze me. Any any type of paranormal entity that um, is worldwide and and acts the same absolutely blows me away. Like ghosts, Bigfoot, uh, dragons, all of these things are worldwide. Uh, in 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 legends and and mythology, uh, but so are fairies. Little people are are all over the world, and they tend to behave the same. And yes, they're tricksterish, and they can be beneficial uh, if they like you. But if you do anything to upset them, uh, and they'll do everything from curdle your milk to kill your livestock to trick you into falling off a cliff. So yeah, very tricksterish. Now, from what I know, the, the lore of the fairies came from um, Irish or Celtic tradition. Is that true, or is it is it all over the place? No, it's all it's all over the world. The, the fairies that, that I based uh, based my book on were were uh, Scandinavian fairies, but they're very similar to the to the fairies in Irish lore and and Scottish and and, and English and oh my gosh, all over Europe and um, I mean all over North America as well. Uh, Native Americans have a very strong, uh, very strong legends of the little people. And I mean, there were, oh my gosh, Lewis and Clark during their expedition um, took a detour to go to uh, a fairy mound that, uh, that the, the local Native Americans uh, knew that they warred with fairies there at, at some point. So they went to try and find them. They didn't, but they, they, they went looking. Uh, and then we have the uh, Ibu Gogo, which is, man, all the cryptozoology people love this. Uh, in in, uh, in, in Indonesia, uh, the island of Flores, uh, a number of years ago, actually not that many, 10, 15, something like that, 20 maybe, uh, there was a legend uh, of the Ibu Gogo, which is the islanders' words for grandmother who eats, eats everything. And they had stories about these diminutive people, these hobbit-sized people who lived in a cave nearby and, and would do raids on, on the local villages and steal food and steal babies to eat. And uh, 
it, I mean, these things were dismissed by by Westerners and, and by scientists until some scientists found a cave on the island of Flores with fully grown three foot tall people. And they're even classified as uh, Homo florensis. Uh, you know, they're they're nicknamed the hobbits. Uh, but there's actual physical evidence of little people in that you know from from uh, from from indigenous stories. And and I just I think that's fascinating. That really is like so. So in your writing, when you were writing a girl in the corn, like, do you feel like? there is some truth behind the fairy lore or do you, I mean, like, well, we like, we like to think that, I mean, like the paranormal is so hard to like capture, right? Like it's like, nobody can really get evidence no matter where we look. I mean, some people have EVPs of ghosts and, you know, um, I'm trying to think people, some have people pictures of ghosts. Some people have pictures of UFOs, but it's hard to get a picture of a little person and whatever they are, if they are real, they're very elusive. It seems like, it seems like they, it's like, they're, they're like Sasquatch in a way, like, you know, like, like Sasquatch has really made a, made a point to stay out of human affairs. Like, and I don't know if that's their supernatural um, element to them, that they're able to do that. Just like, and going back to the fairies, like, do you think that might be like one of their supernatural traits that if they don't want to be seen, they won't be seen. Well, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I really do. And, you know, other than, you know, compare them to Sasquatch, Sasquatch is, you know, seven to, to 12 feet tall. And these things are three foot and, and, under, <laughs> and under. So, yeah, they, they have an easier time hiding, I think. But um, with, and Sasquatch is another one that on every continent, except Antarctica, of course, uh, on every continent that they have legends of Sasquatch. They, they call it different things, of course. They call it the Yowie and the Alma and the Almasty, the Yaren, uh, Wild Men of the Forest, and all these other things. But it's the same entity, the same same description. So, I mean, when it comes to are these paranormal entities out there, I, I think there's way too much evidence. You know, not scientific evidence, because you're right, we don't get that. But, but I think there's so much evidence... Um, from personal experience with people that, I mean, these things gotta be out there. Yeah. I wanted to tell you, I just remembered this. This just came to my mind. Um, I, I, I interviewed a lady. She's like an investigative journalist. She lives in a small town called cashiers, North Carolina, but you know, but apparently they have a lot of UFO bases, but um, one thing that she, she wrote a book on, she wrote a book called Cherokee little people were real. And her name's Mary Joyce. And mm. in this book, she, the, there's these, these like two, three foot tall little people, they call them the Cherokee little people. And supposedly they found these tunnels in North Carolina, these, these dugout tunnels that these little people like migrate through. And supposedly they've been seen, um, you know, like taking people's vegetables and coming up out of the ground, like that they live in inner earth and stuff like that. Have you ever heard of this or anything similar? Well, not specifically those from North Carolina, but the living in the earth, uh, I mean, like like I mentioned about the Lewis and Clark expedition, I think they were in God, South Dakota, maybe. Um, and it was it was a mound. They lived under the earth, uh, even farther, farther out west. And in, in, uh, like Utah, Utah and Idaho, there are Native American legends about them living underground, the, the little people. And uh, it's, it's the same on on the East Coast, the uh, Puckwudgie from. Uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and that area uh, live 
underground as well. And, and, and the thing that fascinates me is that going from the Puckwudgies to, to the, to the, uh, uh, to the little people out in like Idaho and, and, and Utah, they look the same, you know, two to three feet tall. They generally wear loincloths or not, not, not many clothes at all. They use spears and bows and arrows. They can turn invisible. They uh, hate whistling. They um, can start fires at will. Uh, they're mischievous and, and tend to, uh, get people lost in the woods because it's funny, and their arrow, yeah, and and their arrows are are either poison or magical that make people go to sleep. And I, I mean, I understand people have always traveled, but to have these exact same legends of the same creature that does the same thing, given that thousands of miles space from Massachusetts out to like Utah and Idaho, geez, I mean, what what are the chances of that? Yeah, I, you would think that, that, that there has to be some reality to this, or, or, or like I said, they stay hidden, maybe. But um, what, 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 I, what I wanted to ask you was, when you when we go into the the, the novel, um, A Girl in the Corn, does it is it about like? Because um, I remember growing up with uh, the movie Ch Children of the Corn, where you know the children are in the corn, they're doing like weird satanic stuff. But like, how does the corn relate to this? Does does the girl encounter the little people in the corn, or how does it work out? Well, that's the yeah, that 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 that's kind of how it happens. Um, yeah, again, I you know, growing up on a farm, we had cornfields. Some year they were soybean fields, but usually cornfields all around our house. And um, you know, I lived six miles away from town. There weren't any other kids in the area. Um, my sisters were way too old and cool to play with a little you know their little brother. So I'd go outside and play in the cornfield because my mom said, Jason, don't go play in the cornfield. So, of course, I had to do it. But the cornfield always fascinated me because you you go in and all of a sudden you're in another world. I mean, as a kid, the, the, the corn's over your head, so it's darker. The wind doesn't come through. It's hot. It's stuffy. And you hear things. You know, when you're when you're in the corn, I mean, I know it's like natural stuff, probably a raccoon someplace making noise. But still, your imagination can run away with you. So I wanted to kind of give that feeling, but also working the fairies in. Uh, yes, that's where the, the main character as a, as a small child uh, experiences this this little diminutive woman who. Um, yeah. Things happen from there. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll leave that. Let people get the book, but you're you're writing a follow up to this this book as well, right? It's coming out in uh, summer of 2024. Yes, it's finished, and uh, uh, it's already gone through two 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 rounds of edits, and uh, yeah, the cover looks really super cool. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, let me see here. Uh, what was I going to ask you about next? Okay. Oh, I wanted to get into the shadow people. I know we might've talked about this last time, but you've written a book on the shadow people and I, that goes back to the art bell days. Like I think art bell was like the first person to ever kind of touch on like the war of the shadow people. And it automatically like drew me in because I've experienced them at different points and times in my life. Um, what are your thoughts on the shadow people and, and what, what kind of drew you to writing a book about it? All right. Well, here's, I was a kid, uh, probably about eight years old, maybe 
I might have been nine, but I think I was eight. And I, in our farmhouse, I was lying in bed. And given the fact that we lived away from everybody, you didn't have to worry about pulling the blinds down because nobody was out looking in your windows. Okay, so the blinds were always up. And when I'd go to bed and I'd be laying there and I'd be looking outside, the moon would be there. There'd be stars in the summer. The windows would be up and I could listen to the owls and the coyotes and frogs and cicadas and all that fun stuff. Uh, but I could see everything in my room. Uh, it was just an all a uniform gray from all the ambient light from outside. And, and I remember going to bed one night and I lay in bed, turn the light off. And as I was laying there, all of a sudden, I noticed something in the corner corner of my eye, and I, I turned around, and in this one section um, of my room, right next to a bookshelf, uh, something moved, and it was black, and I just lay there, laid there, because I was terrified, and then it broke free from the wall, walked right past my bed, and into the hallway, and it was... I'm really tall. Of course, I was eight years old lying in bed. I have no idea how tall it was, but it was it was a tall, black, human-shaped figure. It was darker than everything around it. I couldn't see any features whatsoever. No, you know, no eyes, no nose, nothing. And um, fortunately, it didn't notice me. It just walked right by. And I screamed for my dad. Um, he cussed from the other room because he had to get up and he walked in and turned the light on. And of course there was nothing there, but I saw these things um, like every few days for the next few months. And then finally, I just, finally they disappeared. I, I didn't see them anymore, but in my head, I always called them shadow people. And this was in the seventies when I was, when I was little. And by the time I started listening to Art Bell in the nineties, he was talking about shadow people. And I'm like, Holy smokes, somebody, this is what I saw. Somebody else has seen these. I am not nuts. And um, so at, at, at one point in the early 2000s, I, I started writing a, uh, a column for a newspaper on paranormal topics. And, and I wrote a couple of, of columns on shadow people. And I got so much response from people that I'm like, there's a book here. And I ended up interviewing probably about 250 people from, from around the world. I mean, a lot from the U S but some from Canada, uh, from places as far off as Brazil and Australia, South Africa, a uh, number of places in Europe. And they were all the same type of experiences. Uh, I mean, slightly different here and there, but I, I had, uh, I, I had to get this out in front of people. And, and I also dug into, uh, all the religious aspects I could think of. I dug into science, um, you know, talking about multiple dimensions and, and and all this other other fun stuff to try and explain what these shadow people were. I mean, I actually, I wasn't going into uh, this is what they are because, you know, until you get one trapped in a cage, nobody's going to know what they are. So I just tried to present as many viewpoints as I possibly could. But the thing I found out was, these are common. People see them all the time. That's what I was going to say. Like, what, 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 from, from around the world, like, what are people seeing? Are they seeing, are people, I mean, did you notice a pattern? Are people seeing the same thing? Now, yes, 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 and yes. 
there were a number of uh, different categories I put them in. The, the most common uh, report I, I referred to as benign shadow people, and they were like the ones that I saw. Uh, this is, again, the most common. They don't notice you. You notice them, and they appear to just be walking from point A to point B, and you just happen to be in the middle. All right, and that's that's basically all they are. But there are other ones that seem to be really curious, and they're watching you. And I've talked to a number of people who, um, like, they were little kids, and they were playing in their room, and all of a sudden, you know, the sister slapped, her, slapped you on the arm and said, hey, look in the doorway. And you look over the doorway, and there's this shadow being standing there just watching you. And when it realizes that it's you see it, they run away. There are also uh, a couple of different types of entities. One that wears a hat, uh, that people call it the hat man. Uh, there are ones with uh, a blazing red eyes. Uh, some that wear cloaks, uh, like the Grim Reaper. And, and these three type of entities uh, seem to try to instill an unnatural, unnatural fear into people. And then they seem to feed off of it. I interviewed a lot of people who were like, I was scared. I've never been that scared in my life. And then I felt drained because, you know, it, it was taking that, that, that emotion from me. So yeah, there are a number of different types of, of shadow people. As a matter of fact, I came to the conclusion that shadow people are a number of different types of entities. They just happen to share one, one, the, the same look. And that's a shadow. They're they're all a shadow. But do the you shadow. think they're? I mean, like I've heard some weird. Um, I I said this in another podcast. I I've heard some weird um, types of explanations. I heard someone say that they could be remote viewers, like someone's remote viewing you, and they're 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 looking into your life. Or um, also, I've heard that th these are just that some out of the outside the box things that I'm thinking. I'm not sure. You know, uh, okay, here's another one. Um, you know, in witchcraft, they use familiars. Like a witch will use a familiar. She'll make a cat a familiar or a wolf a familiar, or she can make a shadow a familiar. And what that familiar does is it, it's basically her eyes for her. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. him, whatever. It's a witch or warlock, whatever. She uses or it uses the, the uh, familiar as its eyes to do a certain task. Have you ever heard this? And do you think that has any semblance to the shadow people or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a yes on that. Um, the explanations for, for shadow people, again, they have the same look. But then, you know, there, there's something called uh, divergent evolution where uh, animals of different species grow up. You know, they evolve in the same, uh, you know, environment on opposite sides of the world. And they look and act exactly the same. You know, there's a cat and a dog that are desert creatures, uh, but they've grown up on two different continents and have never interacted, but they look and act exactly the same. So I that's what <laughs> shadow people, that, that's what I think. They look exactly the same, but they're not the same entity. Um, I think some are, are ghosts, residual ghosts. Uh, it's got to take, you know, a lot of energy, honestly, to manifest if you're a ghost, I, I would think. Um, again, this is all speculation, but maybe that's all they can manifest is a shadow. They can't yeah. manifest the full, you know, the full on apparition. Um, the, the residual part is I've interviewed a number of people 
uh, who've seen the same shadow people or the same shadow person, uh, you know, walk down the steps, turn turn a corner and go into the kitchen. And that's all they do when they go in, when when the person goes in the kitchen, they aren't there. But it's like maybe the past, you know, the person who lived in the house before, that's their, you know, shadow going down to fix a pot of tea or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. There are, um, when, when I interviewed all, I mean, I interviewed um, uh, a Catholic, I interviewed a Catholic exorcist. He was an archbishop. I interviewed uh, an expert on Islam, an expert on the Hopi, uh, Hopi, uh, uh, Hopi people, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of these, all of these experts basically told me the same thing is that they are evil entities. Um, the only two exceptions were the, uh, the Buddhists. They said they didn't want to talk to me about, about them. Um, they, they have them in their belief system, but they're wicked and they don't want to talk. Uh, the Hindus, Hindu, um, uh, person I, uh, that he was a professor I spoke with said that, uh, they are viewed as people going on to the next life. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the guy who was an expert on, on the Hopi religion, he was another professor, said that Hopis view them as omens of impending doom. Other than that, they're jinn, they're demons. Um, the uh, Native American, uh, or the he was a Cherokee shaman that I interviewed, said that uh, they're medicine people, they are holy people, they are good people, who start using their their powers for greed, and they turn into something that's less than human, and they can appear as shadows that that can do wicked things. Um, I, I've even talked with a few people who are convinced that shadow people are extraterrestrials. As a matter of fact, I was on last year on uh, Ancient Aliens talking about about that fact. But the the, the point overall point is. They could be all these things. They could be interdimensional travelers who walk through what what uh, uh, paranormal journalist John Keel called window areas. They could be walking past, and they could look like me and you, but the window area always sees the shadow of them as they go by. So, I mean, what are they? I think they're everything. Yeah, I was a big fan of John Keel. Like, do you think he was really ahead of his time? I think he really was. I think he was. I I agree with that. Yes, he he was doing things. He and Hans Holzer were doing things, and and Ed and Lorraine Warren they were doing things way back when that people are doing now. And but they they did them first, <laughs> and frankly, they did them better. I agree. I agree. And I think he came up like the theories he came up with on the paranormal, you know, like he was like him and I, I guess Jacques Vallée were kind of the first ones to kind of merge like the paranormal and ufology together. You know, like there was like such people that like looked at ufology as like nuts and bolts, you know, that they would only study the craft and what, what the UFOs were. But then there was like John Keel who looked at the phenomena is just like, it, he looked at everything as kind of like one phenomena that like it's different. Yeah. They're like, sure, there's different aspects to the phenomena, but it's all presenting itself similarly. Am I right about that? Or right, right. Well, and that's oh my gosh, there are there are entities that after all the research that I've done, um, and I've I've been 
researching and interviewing people. I'm, I'm a journalist by trade. Uh, I've been interviewing people and, and doing this kind of research for a couple of decades now. And I am convinced of a few things. And hold with me now because you might not agree with a couple of these. But one, until proven otherwise, I'm going to believe UFOs are nuts and bolts craft. Okay? I appreciate all of the other possibilities and those might be 100% right but I want to see if, I want to see first if they're not nuts and bolts craft same with Bigfoot is he is he uh, uh, interdimensional like a lot of people think I, I'm gonna think that he's a real live flesh and blood creature until I'm proven wrong and if I'm proven wrong I'm more than cool with that um, so I mean that that that's how I view those. But on Wait, the other, I got a question. Yeah, Do yeah. you feel that just because they're nuts and bolts and, and because like I mean, like if the UFO's nuts and bolts and the in the in the Bigfoot's a uh, creature, do you still think that they could have a supernatural element to it? Like for example, we see UFOs disappear in and out of our atmosphere. We see we hear stories that Bigfoot can kind of appear and disappear at will. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on all that? Okay, with when it comes to uh I'll I'll tackle Bigfoot first. When it comes to Bigfoot I spent a lot of time in, um, well, again, cornfields. Uh, I also spent a lot of time in the woods uh, growing up. And there were times to where I would be just walking along and I'd hear a rustling and all of a sudden an explosion of motion 10 feet away from me. And it would be a full-grown buck deer that had gotten up off the ground, stood up and bolted out of there because I scared him. And within seconds, he'd be gone. Okay. So I think that Bigfoot, if they are real, which if there's any cryptozoological creature out there real, I think that's probably the one. But if, if Bigfoot is, is real and smart, those things have to be smart if they're part human, which they could be. If they are, uh, you know, more apes, it doesn't matter. More ape than human, it doesn't matter. They're they're still extremely intelligent, more intelligent than reg regular animal. They could hide better than a deer can. So when it comes to Bigfoot vanishing in the forest, forest creatures can do that. So I, I don't have a problem with that. When it comes to UFOs. Man, technology can do anything. If if UFOs are coming here from outside our solar system, and far and as far as we can tell, none of the other planets are habitable at this time, at least according to us, they have to come from outside. And if they come from outside, and this 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 really annoys me, whatever science scientists say, and I don't mean to dog scientists because I'm big on science, but they'll say, well. Physics say that that's not possible for them to travel here from all the way out there. Yeah, our physics, hell, 130 years ago, the the um, um, uh, patent office, uh, the guy who ran the patent office said, we don't need to take any more patents because everything that can be discovered has been discovered. All right? We don't know what extraterrestrials, they could be a million years ahead of us. They could come here... You know, like like that in whatever, you know, propulsion their ships are using. So uh, could there be anything supernatural involved with both of those? Absolutely. Is there? Also, I don't know, but I want to see it first. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I've never seen a UFO. I still haven't seen one. But what one? We, I know you've had a UFO experience. I want to get to that in a second. But I was just going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say we we have um we even have like cloaking technology now. Like you know what I mean. So it just shows you like if we have cloaking technology where and and the, mm-hmm. the government has stuff that's like years advanced. I I'm I'm very sure we don't know about. You know. So I can't even imagine what these whether you want to call them extraterrestrials or interdimensionals, whether they're coming from another dimension. Hell, or, they could be or, coming from our future for, for all I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, when, when it comes to the government, uh, when I was in college, I'm, I'm old, so I was in college in the 80s, uh, but I was watching TV one Sunday night, and, and, and it was 60 minutes uh, because I'm a nerd. I was watching the news program. They, uh, they, they, they had a, a feature story on, on the B-2 bomber, the stealth bomber. And I went to college 20 minutes from Whiteman Air Force Base, which is where the B-2 is, is stationed. And that, that segment blew me away. And, and later in that week, I was driving on this highway that was going by the Air Force Base. And all of a sudden, I mean, I had to pull over because I saw this line in the sky. And I pulled over, got out of my car, and just stood there and watched it. And it was just like some God had drawn on it with a pencil in the sky. And it got a little bit wider, a little bit wider. It didn't get any deeper, but it got wider. And eventually it flew right over the top of me, and I couldn't hear anything. And it looked like, you know, you know, the from 1989's Tim, Tim Burton's Batman before, you know, I, that, this is before that came out, but it looked like the bat plane. And at that point I was like, if I hadn't have seen that 60 minute segment, I would, I would have pissed my pants at that moment because the aliens were landing and I was dead. So yeah, about the government having things that are, are far beyond what we know, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. But you, you, you yourself have seen something that you, uh, and I think you talked about it last time that you couldn't explain, right? You've had a UFO experience. Yeah, absolutely, I have. I've, 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 I've had one and a half. Um, I, I was driving on a long stretch of road, um, and this isn't the one I, I that that I'm going to talk about in a second. But I was driving on a long stretch of road, and I looked over, and there was a green light traveling in the sky. It was, you know, the size of a star, but it was traveling in the sky. And all of a sudden, it went and disappeared. Okay, I have no idea what that was. Absolutely not. I'm just, it was a green light in the sky that did a, you know, 60 degree angle the wrong way and, and took off. Um, but yeah, the, the, one, uh, the one that you're referring is, uh, my dad came home from, from the field. Again, him, he was a farmer and he didn't come in the house. So I went out to see what was going on and he was just standing leaning against his truck and he pointed out over this field in, in between our house and a mile away there was another house and he, and he pointed and he was like do you see that and there was a circle in the sky it looked like you know a hole punch uh you know it's used to punch holes in pieces of paper it looked like it was just black it looked like a big hole punch in the sky it was clear as far as you could see so that's Star was or the sky was full of stars except that spot and there was a hum that we could also hear and i went and got my mom she came out and looked at it and she saw it too and and then the thing 
that really told me that we were experiencing something is the phone rang and I went in to the house and answered the phone and our neighbor across the field asked if we could see and hear that black spot over the field. And yeah, I could. And I went and stood and watched it until it eventually just rose and got smaller and, and vanished. But yeah, I don't know what that is. Not a clue. Could it be something our government had? Maybe. I'm not going to yeah. discount it. It's, 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 it, I mean, you, you, you never, you never know, right? I mean, I'm st I still get to see one and I've been going out at night on purpose. Like I've been thinking about getting a pair of night vision goggles because I hear that they're cloaked and I don't, I mean, I, I I'm a little, I'm skeptical, right? But like, I believe, I believe that they could be cloaked. I, I mean, like, like we, we just talked talk about, our government has cloaking technology, so I'm sure the ETs have it. And if they don't want to alarm us for some reason, they could be cloaked up there in the clouds. I know I keep saying that. I don't mean to re be repetitive, but like I'm just trying to get a point across that I think they're up there and I'm not seeing them. I, I'm, I'm, I live in Pittsburgh. Now, what's weird is a lot of times these things will be spotted by military bases, which makes me think, why is that? Are they just interested in our military or is it our military? You know what I mean? But like, why is it that I'm in the middle of Pittsburgh and I can't see one? But then, the, okay, but then I got to give credence to this. There's a researcher here. You might have heard of him. His name's um Stan Gordon. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I know Stan. I don't yeah, know him, well, but, lives, but yeah, I followed him. He, he, I mean, like, he lives here in, um like, uh, I live near Westmoreland County, which is in, you know, like, it's like a... I mean, like as a, a kid, I think he... he Took he he went and investigated Kecksburg, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what what I was saying was he's had a UFO hotline for the past fifty years, and he gets calls nonstop that people are seeing UFOs. So I don't understand what I'm not seeing that everybody else is seeing. Like you know what I mean? Like like I supposedly like there's uh, to carry on what I was saying. There's this place. Um, uh, in Pennsylvania, and I think it goes up into West Virginia and Virginia, it's called the Chestnut Ridge. That's very par paranormally active. Uh, people have written books about it. You know what I mean? Um, that's very close to me. It's, I think that's actually Fayette County is in the Ridge, which is a, a county here in Pennsylvania, you know? So, I mean, with all everything I just said about UFOs, like, what do you think? Or what do you, what, what do you, you know? All right. Yeah. I'm going to say two things. One, even more than I'm convinced about Bigfoot being real, given the scope of our galaxy, not the universe, but just our galaxy. I mean, we've got billions of stars with billions of planets, and they're billions of years old. I mean, just statistically speaking, life has been it's formed it has to have formed somewhere at some point and chances are yeah absolutely it, it's gotten to a point that it, you know it's it's our civilization or even bigger so if aliens aren't coming here i, I would be shocked honestly uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes and i don't know who said it first but everybody says carl sagan he repeated it it's it's um um you know, the universe is, is so vast that um, if we are the only intelligent species out there, what a tremendous waste of space. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So, I mean, man, there, there's there's something out there. Are they coming here? 
Uh, I think so. Uh, there, uh, you know, when it comes to the news, I've been a. I, I worked in the newspaper industry for 17 years. I've been. I've taught journalism at, the, at a university for 19, and I was a, a newspaper geek as a small child reading these things. And and I know how the media covers UFOs. They used to cover them seriously, and, and they haven't for years. So when in was it 2020? or December 2019, the New York Times printed an article that the Pentagon had released videos showing craft that weren't ours that could move in ways that we can't move. That blew me absolutely out of the water because the New York Times wrote a story of the government admitting that there are things flying in our skies that aren't ours. They're probably not Russia's or, or China's. So where do they come from? Yeah, and you know what's even inch more interesting, Jason, is they have they've had, I don't think you and I went over this. And like and 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 some of the stuff we, we went over, like I, I I the reason why I'm covering a lot of similar subjects is because I have a lot more subscribers now. So a lot of people might not have saw the first show you and I did. So like this is kind of like a refresher, like plus some. But like, and by the way, people go back and watch it. It was a it was a good show. I had a lot of fun. It really was. It was. And, and what I was saying was that they have those Pentagon hearings now, and they're they're a little bit hilarious. Like they're, they're they they for me being such a UFO nerd, like they they really make me laugh because it's almost like it's either they okay they hire people that know nothing about UFOs to 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 take place in these hearings. Okay. But then they have these people in these black ops projects that we don't even know who they are that know everything there is to know probably about reverse engineering. And that's a little bit speculation. I, I'll admit that what I just said was speculation, but I think, you know, with the stuff that Bob Lazar said and other people throughout time that these black projects have been proven, you know, and we know our government spends money, you know, funds go missing from time to time and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Trillions of dollars go missing from time to time. Hell, I remember um, during the Gulf War, the, first one or second one no it was the second gulf war war that donald rumsfeld was saying yeah we've got you know three trillion dollars we we you know don't know where it went it was either the day before it, or after 9 11 which is really that we know that was it you're right you're right and, but and, yeah and, where did it go well people if you ask if you ask some people some people think that that might have went to our secret space program, which I know you probably don't get into. I mean, I've, I've interviewed a lot of the secret space program people, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'll say that, you know, I don't, I don't know, not believe them, but I, it's until I see it, I want to see evidence of it. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I like to deal with, I, I mean, I'll have anybody on my show to talk about the paranormal and UFOs, but like, I still would love to see evidence of, of this, you know, and like right. going back to like Bob Lazar, you know, if you believe Bob Lazar, he said he saw, he would take people out to the desert and they would see when these, when these craft were flying, they would see like, you know, they would do test runs and stuff like that. So, but that makes me think, well, where did the military get it from? You know what I mean? It's like they had to have had some kind of contact with some kind of species to have gotten a hold of that technology. I don't think we just made it. But then there's people that say it goes back to the 40s and we've had anti-gravity technology since the 40s. Who knows, right? 
Right. But if we have, I mean, why, why, you know, don't we rule the world? I know. It's, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, well, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Like, yeah. it, it, it's weird. Like, it, it's like, it's, it's like, it's so, it's so strange. Like, it, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of, okay, like, um, how was I trying to say this? Wait. Okay, they, they say that in the, in the 40s, we had anti-gravity technology, but they don't want to give up the anti-gravity technology because that would mean that the world would get free energy. This is what goes on in the UFO circles, okay? Right. They say that then we would have free energy and then nobody would pay their electric bill. That seems a little hard to believe, but like, you know, it's it's also somewhat, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about All right, that? Here, here's what I think about this, and this has to do with the oil, oil industry too. Uh, because if we had electric cars, you know, we wouldn't need oil. People are always the, the, the people in the oil industry, the electric electricity industry, uh, they're going to find a way to make money. It doesn't matter what happens. So the whole free energy thing, uh, if we had technology for free energy, I don't think that there'd be a big enough lobby to, 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 to keep it under wraps especially since the 1940s. Yeah. So, I mean, if we have, like, uh, you know, anti-grav technology, we would all know about it at, by this point. Yeah. Well, this brings me into the last topic I wanted to talk about, and this is a really fun one. And we talked about it last time, but it's, 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 so, it's so near and dear to my heart. It's, again, it's an Art Bell topic. It's uh, time travel, and you wrote a book on it. You, yeah. It's called So You Want to Build a Time it's, Machine. It's an excellent book. Um what are your thoughts on time travel? Do you think it's possible? And and did you draw inspiration from that book from stories of like Madman Markham or John Teeter or stuff like that? You know, I've been fascinated by time travel uh, ever since I, I was a kid, uh, small. <laughs> I was probably four or five and I started watching Star Trek, the original, the original series. My favorite episodes have always been their time travel episodes. I remember... One Saturday afternoon, the 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 time machine, the H.G. Wells time machine um, from, what, 1960, 1961, whatever, was on, and I was engrossed. So I've always followed, uh, I've always followed time travel. Uh, the book was an inspiration about everything I've done, um, everything I've read, everything I've watched. I just have always wanted to write a, a, a time travel novel. Uh yeah, you know when it comes comes to 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 personal time travel, um, Stephen Gibbs, Stephen L. Gibbs, does that name ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. well, I can I, I have a connection to him, and and you're gonna you're not gonna believe this. Like <laughs> since we did our first show, a guy reached out to me. He's you, you can go back and watch. I mean, we he comes on my show. He's been on my show like eleven times now. His name is Jim Gerard. He's awesome. Well, anyway, if you listen to that first Stephen Gibbs Art Bell episode, Stephen Gibbs said he got the design for time travel from Jim Gerard. Okay, but like Jim hasn't really given me the full um, schematics of what this what this was that he gave Stephen Gibbs. But supposedly Stephen Gibbs took it and ran with it, and you know. But I, I mean, so I have a connection to that, you know. But. Um, yeah. That's cool. I, I don't know, but uh, it's interesting to say the least, right? I don't know. I, I've got one of his machines. Oh, I've got one of Stephen Gibbs' machines. <laughs> Tell me it worked. <laughs> no, well, you see, uh, in, in the instructions that were, were written on a typewriter in all caps, it said it takes three <laughs> minutes. said it takes three minutes for the machine to work. 
So I can guarantee every time I used his machine, by the time I was finished using it, I was three minutes in the future. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But yeah. So I, yeah, I, I actually at the university, uh, two people from the physics department and myself, uh, wrote a grant to buy that time machine and, and it, we got the grant. So we bought the time machine and, and unfortunately it didn't work, but I contacted, I was able to hunt down Mike Markham. Um, I wrote an article for uh, Nexus magazine a number of years ago about, about Markham because he disappeared in 1997. You know, I remember listening to the stories on Art Bell, his interviews. And I'm like, this is great. And, and when I uh, got my job at the university, uh, and I'm, I'm in this little town in Northwest Missouri, and I saw a sign for uh, Stanberry, and I'm like, holy crap, that name rings a bell. What is it? What is it? Well, that was where Mike Markham did his experiments. So I went there and interviewed people who knew him. and, and uh, uh, But anyway, the, the, the point was, did I get my inspiration from them? I got my inspiration from everything. Well, what, I got what happened with Madman Markham? Like, I, I love that story. And he came back. I know we talked about this last time, but he did come back on Art Bell in 2015. He told his story. He said he got lost. He ended up in a homeless shelter. He yeah. somehow projected himself like, I don't know if he projected himself in the future or in the past or some, some, it did. I don't know if it was like three weeks in the future. And then he, you know, like, he ended up somehow, in a, like I said, in a homeless shelter. Do you remember this? or what do you, Right, what right. Do you... No, because I, I interviewed Markham. I tracked Markham down. And, and I interviewed him, and I, and I wrote that article. What, what happened? Because in, in 1997, it was the last time he was on Art Bell's show, and he said that um, because of Art Bell, uh, people sent him tons of money because they wanted him to, to work, on his, work on his machine. So he was able to rent a warehouse and build a larger version of his machine and and he tested it out by he'd like throw grapefruit into the machine and it would disappear and he would find it laying out in the uh in, in the parking lot and he did that with guinea pigs and the guinea pigs he found in the parking lot but they were dead and at one point he was like you know what i'm just gonna jump in so he jumped in according to him and he woke up in a uh, snow-covered uh, field, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And he had no idea who he was. He didn't know where he was. Uh, he hitchhiked to uh, to Cincinnati because it wasn't that far away. And uh, that because that's where he grew up. And he spent, you know, a year or so in a homeless shelter until finally his synapses started firing again and he was started to remember everything and um he got a job got some money and went back to his lab in kansas city and whoever bought it had thrown all this stuff away and uh the last time i talked to him he said that he was done with time travel but um i contacted art bell and told him that i'd been in contact with with markham and i'm the one who got got uh, art in touch with him that's fascinating. So do you think that he had something going? I mean, like, why would he just, yeah. I don't think if he, if, okay, here's my, here's what I think. Yeah. Like, I think if he would have really had something that he wouldn't have given up on it for what, or what do you think he kind of just got disgruntled with it and maybe just 
I don't know. I don't if I mean if I was so close to finding time travel, I don't think I would. I, I don't think I could give up. You know what I mean? I'm well, so- here's here's the deal. I think if it were me, and and that had happened to me, I might have realized that holy moly, this is dangerous. The next time I instead of you know ending up in a field in uh, you know field of snow not remembering who I am, uh, maybe I'll end up in the ocean. Maybe, you know, this might be, I might die the next time I do this. I mean, that would, that'd be what's going through my head. Yeah. And not just that, but like, if, if you think about it from like a time perspective, like, and you know about this cause you've studied time travel. When you time travel, you're messing with timelines. Like you could affect the whole timeline for the whole world. If you would think about it speculatively, you know what I mean? You could really mess up something that was, it wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, yeah. think about back to the future. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was like, you know, that was a, a prime example of how people messing with time travel and how it could go wrong. You know, cause I've thought about this a lot cause um, I'm, I'm a nerd and think about these things, but I've, I've thought about if I could go back and talk to myself when I was in college and tell myself all these things to avoid or some things to do differently, would I? And I wouldn't because even though I had a lot of really crappy things happen to me because of my choices, I wouldn't have my kids. I I wouldn't be married to the person I'm married to now. So I would not go back and change one thing. And uh, It's like learning lessons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that 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 makes that makes good sense. Um, so um, w- w- let me ask you this real quick: Have you ever looked into like remote viewing? Because you know, like the, it's like I look at it as like a form of time travel, right? Like because like we we can they say we can use our. I mean, like part of my channel is it's my channel is UFO paranormal and sci. I have psychics on my show every week now. We do live psychic readings. And, uh, and, and, and I have a different psychic on every week and I, I'm, it's not just that I'm into the psychics, but you know, I, I'm into, you know, I don't do this personally, but I love the fact that people can do telekinesis, psychokinesis, ESP, uh, remote viewing. Um, you know, I love all the psi or psychic, um, elements and it seems like remote viewing could almost be a form of time travel because you can project your consciousness out to somewhere. And, you know, the military got results back on this when they mm-hmm. had the Stargate program. So I just want to know, like, did you ever look into remote viewing? And do you think that that could be like somewhat of a way to project your consciousness as a, what, what do you think? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a great question, man. I, when it comes to the whole Psy thing, I spent most of my life thinking it was BS. I, I really did until I interviewed um at, at you know different times a couple of different psychics who had never met me they i mean they lived nowhere near me this is before i started getting books published so there's no or being on interviews like this there's no way they could have known anything about me whatsoever and they told me both some highly personal things that were 100% dead on right and my my opinion on psychics has completely changed. I think there are a lot of charlatans out there, but I do think psyability is is absolutely real because I can't explain what was told to me any other way. Um, but when it comes to remote viewing, I don't know, man. Um, 
the thing that that hits me funny is that apparently anybody can do it. And yeah. I'm about as psychic as a brick. So <laughs> can I do it? I've I've thought about. And, and here's here's where my my horror horror novelist paranoia comes in. I, I I would love to try to remote view because again, if anybody can do it, I can do it. But it also would require my consciousness leaving and going out and looking at things, and that I you know that would leave you open to something else coming in, and, and I wouldn't want that to happen. That's true. I never thought about that. You know, I've tried to do like out of body experiences and that's, that's almost happened to me because I've tried to do like these um, meditations where you meditate and try to go out of body and you, uh, you do like the hemi-sync binaural beats that were made by Mr. Monroe, Robert Monroe. And uh, you know, the, you can, it works. Like you can have an out of body experience and you'll get really close to it. Like your body starts vibrating. You get this whooshing sound in your head. Then the next thing you know, you feel your body starting to project outside of itself. It was, it's like nothing I've ever experienced in my life, but I'll tell you this because I've said this on my show a million times. And like, it's very interesting as I was starting to go out of body, it ties into what you said, because I saw two shadow people mm. and I felt like I was like, are those shadow people like going to try to body snatch me? And then other people said, well, that's just your mind making up stuff. They said, you have to get past that fear. And I was like, I don't know if that's something I want. No, I've interviewed people who have astral projected and they've come back and somebody else has been there with them. I, yeah, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Like they've they like they've um they they've had like another like an entity there? An entity is piggybacked. Either an entity one in one case, an entity uh was there when she came back. And they were both there. And, and in another case, another one followed her. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Like, yeah. It, see, it, it makes me think that, like, to kind of sum everything up, it seems like there this world of the paranormal is very real. And all these things are going on. It's just like we're so wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives that, like, we don't yeah. recognize it or oh, something. Oh, man, 100%. Right? No, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it on that. There are paranormal stuff is happening all the time all around us involving us and we don't realize it most of the time because we're all involved with our day-to-day -day lives you know we got to fix breakfast for the kids we got to go to work we got you know mom called or, or, or whatever and and we don't realize what what's happening around us um yeah i've had a number of paranormal things happen and i'm like if that can happen in anything anything can happen have you ever had any uh, any relatives? Um, because I my dad died when I was 21 of cancer, and he never reached out to me. Like, but I was wondering, have you ever had any relatives pass away and then come reach out to you in this? You know, from the other All right. side. Yeah, yeah. All right. So my mom died 10 years ago, 12. No, God, 14. Anyway, doesn't matter. My mom died. She was a lifelong smoker. Uh, by the way, folks. My oldest sister, who was 55 when she died, was also a longtime smoker. And my grandma died. She was 85, but she was also a lifetime smoker. They all died of lung cancer. Don't smoke. Anyway, so when my mom was in hospice, I mean, she knew she was going to die. She was comfortable with her faith. So, I mean, she, you know, wasn't happy with it, but she had a great life. And, and I was sitting there with her. 
and we all knew she was going to go in the next day or two. And she said, Jason, come here. So I, cause she couldn't talk because I did it. Cause of, cause the cancer, the throat cancer and the, and the lung cancer. And so I, I leaned in really close and she said, Jason, don't worry about me when I die because I'm going to be fine. And I told her, I said, mom, I know you're going to be fine. Just don't come back and tell me because you're going to scare the hell out of me. So she promised that she wouldn't come back and tell me that she was okay. All right, fast forward two months. I am in my office, which is a dingy room in the basement, typing along. I'm writing a story, and I hear my wife shout from the other room. So I thought she was hurt. I got up and jumped, ran in the other room, and she was unpacking a box, and she looked scared to death. And I'm like, honey, what, what's wrong? Kim, what, 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 what happened? And, and Kim, my wife, said, your mother just said Kim in my ear, and I told her to leave me alone. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? Mom kept her promise. She's fine. She didn't tell me, but she scared the hell out of my wife. Wow. So, yeah. I... <laughs> Go that's, ahead. I'm sorry. That's a sign. That's yeah, a sign. I know. I know. Wow. I mean, and I mean, have you, what, what do you, what do you, I mean, just to conclude, like, what do you feel about the afterlife? Do you feel like with the, that, like, we're all going to transition to some other dimension or like, do you think that's what happens or like, what do you, I mean, like, what do you think happens Man. when we transcend this mortal coil? Okay. I have no idea. I will say it all thinking about it logically and scientifically the whole dying and your spirit going off to an afterlife sounds like absolute horse manure but had that happen also when i was a child i saw a ghost in my house full-bodied apparition of a little boy okay these two things tell me that it doesn't matter what my logic tells me there's something else beyond you know, beyond our, our, our physical bodies. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. That's really well said. I, I, I kind of agree. You know, I haven't, I've yet to see a ghost, but I think it's like, I think I got to open myself up more, but I don't want to freak myself out either. But um, Jason, thank you so much. This was awesome. Like this, uh, this was, uh, this was amazing. I missed might've been better than the first show. Like um, I'm going to post it tomorrow. I'll send you a link. Can you tell everybody, where they can find you, where they can find Absolutely. your books. And okay. Yes, that and uh, make sure you send me the link so I can uh, I can put it all out on my social media to, to, to let everybody know, know where to go. All right, yeah. Uh, my uh, website is Jason Offit, J-A-S-O-N-O-F-F-U-T-T. -T. It's uh, on the screen, dot com. Um, I've got links to all my books. I've got some biographies. i got a picture of me that's adorable. When I was about three, um, uh, you can look and find my books on on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any any of those places. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, just look for Jason Offit. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, I'm the Jason Offit. On uh, no Twitter and Instagram, I'm the Jason Offit. Facebook, I'm Jason Offit author. So yeah, there's me. And uh, and on my website, uh, my email address is there. Jason at jasonoffit.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I'll put all the links in the description and everything. And, uh, awesome. And thank you again, Jason. And until next time.